everyone. This is Lindsay of one of my stories. And I'm here with Anthony again, Black Cinephile. Good evening, sir. Good evening. So this is this is it. We're getting to the end here. The penultimate episode of 1899, which is titled The Storm. Yeah. So yeah. How are you how are you feeling as we're nearing the end of this project? Um, it feels very bittersweet because uh, I, I try to block out my head that that as of now, as of now, the show hasn't found a new home yet. And that when we watch the final episode, I know there's going to be some big cliffhanger and I'm going to be a little sad because I'm like, ah, I may not never know how this how how this story continues. But, uh, you know, it's it's a nice bittersweet moment that we, we're, we're nearing the end here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually towards the end of this when we get to the ending, I do kind of have a theory I want to throw out about how maybe what would have happened. Um, I know we're, we have one more episode, so, you know, we could theoretically hold our, all of our theories till the end, but I had, yeah. I just had a, a thought about, so maybe we could have fun speculating on, on some theories at the end, but this what is are your, a... sorry, go hey. ahead. No, no, you go, you go, because you might be asking the question I'm about to answer. Okay. <laughs> I was going to ask just your overall thoughts of this episode before we dive into the details. Is that what you were thinking? Yep, that's exactly, okay. <laughs> that's exactly what I was about to get into. Uh, yeah, this was a pretty sad episode. This was a, it was a pretty hard hitting one, especially like towards the uh, second half. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um. Terrific cinematography, terrific moments of cinematography. We had some great, uh, I don't want to say score drops, but some great drops in the mu music score in some scenes. Uh, yeah, this was um, this was a pretty sad one. It was. Now I'm not sure if it was the most sad. I don't know. Like it, it would be between this one and the calling, I guess, where all the people you know, just march to their death, basically. I think because I was more emotionally attached to some of the people that lost their lives in this one than, you know, a bunch of people walking off. I know that sounds bad. A bunch of people walking off the ship. You're like, oh, wow, that's that's sad. But people that you really like grew to new over the course of the show dying, that's uh, that, that kind of hits you. I would agree with that if it wasn't for Crestor. I don't know. Right, his, right, right. His death was very sad and i had grown in a very short time i knew him i had grown attached to him and also that i feel like his death really caused his family to spiral in a big way so it's mm -hmm. almost like this lingering sadness that has lasted even past that episode for that family but yeah this was this was tragedy everywhere for sure and I had just, uh, I don't know, this weekend I went to see Titanic. Oh, you did? The re-release? Yeah, the 25th anniversary was in 3D. I'm not sure why they did it in 3D. It didn't really add anything. But it was pretty amazing was... how many, there was a lot of connections that I had thought were there. But seeing Titanic on the screen just confirmed that a lot of the feels, a lot of the scenery and the things that happen, that imagery mm -hmm. 
the showrunners have definitely captured in this show. Yeah. So <clears throat> are you going to be watching Titanic or skipping on that one? <laughs> It depends on what my wife wants to do. I mean, you know, we both like that movie. I don't know if that is it. Was it needed in 3D? Yo, you just said it, it didn't really add anything. It I was, remember well, that was the only option. I didn't need to see it in 3D, but for whatever right. reason, all the screenings were in 3D. And it wasn't even this movie was not even originally shot in 3D. Um, they sort of converted it into 3D, but it was still very, I have after seeing avatar i had very much been wanting to see titanic so it was amazing mm. that they sort of made that happen almost like by command and then there's so many things that connect to this show but it was it was it was needed and i found out a lot of film critics you know some of the film critics in nc film critic in nc film critics are who are much younger than me like i'm in my 40s now but there are some in their 20s or 30s people who never saw it on the big screen. You know, at the time it came out, they were not of that age or uh, maybe they were I too young to see the movie. I don't think I did either. I think my parents did. And then they bought it um, on the two video cassettes when it came mm -hmm. out. And I, I, I would play those babies all the time. I love that movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It depends on what my wife wants to do. Cause I remember I saw Judgment Day when it came back in theaters, you know, another James Cameron hit. And I liked it, but I felt like the I think that came back in 3D too. And I, I don't know if the 3D was really necessary. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if it came <laughs> back in 3D, but I think like it was kind of overdoing something that kind of already was a classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is interesting timing as we're watching mm -hmm. this episode, which has a lot of the same story beats to it which we can we can talk about when we get there but um but yeah i was like hey it's titanic it's 1899 we're we're you know people are drowning they're in water they're, they're telling <laughs> each other to please go on with your life don't wait for me right um so that it was just an interesting you know, conglomeration of events right there so, shall we get into the details now? I am ready to get into the details. Okay. So, this episode opens with a passionate lovemaking uh, scene between Daniel and Mara. Now, I was very curious when this came on. I, you know, I didn't think this at the time, but as I was preparing mm -hmm. the recap, I remembered how you were discussing in the last episode when you realized that they were a couple and mm -hmm. how they, you know, all along Daniel seemed friend zoned. Right. Right. That, right. The, that the chemistry wasn't there. It was making you think that would be a possibility. So I was curious what you thought of seeing them together romantically. Did What did you think about their chemistry in this episode? Did you, did that, open your eyes in a different way or did you still feel like eh, this is super awkward I you know I still kind of not awkward I just still kind of felt like okay this is a uh, this is for the plot like I I don't see the type of chemistry between between those two actors as I do with her and the actor that plays Captain Ike um now I'm not gonna say that's a fault of the actors but I would just say, like, because I never saw them in this fashion up to this episode until this episode comes along, it did feel 
not awkward, but it, well, I guess awkward would be the right word. It felt a little out of place. Like I, I, I liked it for giving us context into their past and stuff. And it, it was, it was good to see them, you know, have that moment of reconciliation and, you know, that, that exchange of dialogue of, you know, never forget, but yeah, it still felt a little, little jarring, I should say. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this relationship is a one, one way you could describe it would be one-sided we've known that daniel is very care caring about mara but this whole time she's treated him very loosely and been very standoffish and yeah that continues even we see this we see this memory i guess it's a memory um maybe that's replayed over and over again they're they seem both into each other in that memory but even throughout that this episode i think there's on her part there's a standoffishness that continues in that she's not sure if she can trust him um so yeah uh, whereas with her and ike they kind of meet on equal footing neither both of them are very like kind of holding their cards close to the chest and mm. they as they get to know each other more they trust they grow in trust and they're kind of doing that at the same level which makes it you know seem like a better or more interesting or more even relationship yeah i would agree with that and plus i understand where she's coming from you know she she's she's paranoid she doesn't know if she could trust this guy and even though she has little memory flashes in her mind and uh, we'll get to that great bombshell that came later that I just I just did not see coming. Um, you know, it, it is hard for her to trust him. You know, it's like, you know, like um, because we've only seen one side of Mora. We've seen the Mora that's like, you know, doesn't really remember much of what happened before this. So it, it, it is me being a little biased with the relationships and the chemistry I was already given before this bombshell dropped but it's not me dismissing this uh this plot twist either you know what i mean mhm but their pill talk is interesting mhm um it very much is set up sort of like pill talk because they're having this we see them making love and and all that and then they start talking about what is reality and is reality neurons in the brain is it what happens inside the brain or what happens outside the brain and there's even that line where he's sort of repeating her words to her and she says, oh, you actually listen to what I say. And he's like, listen, yes, agree, no, which seems very, you know, very coupley kind of language mm-hmm. to be having. Um, and they're sort of seeing this issue from different sides and sort of playfully arguing about it um, that uh stimuli are caused by a reality or a construct of one and uh none of this would exist if not for the mind to experience it and so they're just sort of having this argument about what is reality and you know is it inside the brain or outside the brain i i personally thought a lot of that was kind of like very dense like that was very dense pillow talk <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i'm like i don't like I don't I don't know I don't know a couple that speaks like that like like during during pillow talk but I um of course I like the themes of what they were saying about reality and you know one of the quotes I picked out 
was um, him saying, you know, reality is what's happening on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, rather than the inside. But yeah, a lot, a lot of that exchange of dialogue was very dense, but it, I, it, you know, it gives good background to, you know, what's going on with Mora and how Daniel fits into all of this. Well, kind of, I don't know, it feels like uh, two scientists version flirting. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm not from that. I'm not, I'm right, not, I'm not from that world. From that world, right. So, uh, but I have, I do enjoy robust intellectual conversation with an equal so i don't i don't know that i think it was necessarily too heavy they were just uh, well in parts of it tonally the way that it comes across in the screen not all of it is super playful like you get Mm -hmm. the sense i don't know you're almost wondering if daniel has like motives or if he's trying to implant something and that's something she's very nervous about in general is having anybody Mm. mess with her thoughts and mess with her mind and so it almost does make you question his motives and who he is to her and if he truly is as um i don't know what the word kind in you know if he's truly as caring as he comes across or if he is just one another puppeteer that's trying to yank on her strings and right seems to know how to do that yeah Uh, yeah no i understand but uh when they pan out we we see that they're in this giant bedroom which doesn't Mm -hmm. look super cozy it looks more like (laughs) i I think the window the walls were even it looked like they were made of cinder block and it was like a bed in the middle of a huge open space um so i don't know it, what did you think about the bedroom it, it looked like um it looked like one of those rooms where uh those people who um i believe they work for nasa but the people who have the telescopes who focus <laughs> on like if there's any movement with the planets it looked like one of those rooms i was like all right so yeah i guess i guess that's where their habitat is okay it like one of those environments and then when she gets up from the bed we obviously can see she's wearing a hospital gown, which is weird. You know, it's the we yeah, saw her in that's this, a weird nightgown. We saw her in a vision in the vision when when she's having her dream in the hospital. She's wearing this mm-hmm. hospital gown, and she keeps wearing this gown throughout. And it's like, okay, if you're just getting up from a passionate lovemaking session and you're having pillow talk, and now it's time to get a snack, why are you putting on a, a hospital gown? um yeah. yeah that was an awkward look that was that, that was an awkward location that right. probably made the whole sequence awkward and uh <clears throat> then once we get outside um well before before that happens you know mm. we, we we find their quote their special quote between them is i love you never forget which is said over mm-hmm. and over again but when she gets up to I guess we, we're assuming she's going down to some lovely kitchen and then we get these vibration noises and air sirens the same kind of air sirens mm-hmm. that were on the ship and there's a voice that says initiating shutdown and that when we go outside we realize oh 
this isn't really a bedroom. This isn't really a house. This is inside of Daniel's dream world. And his dream world is almost an alternative version of Mara's dream world because we can see the hospital, but everything's, the colors are all washed out mm-hmm. and it looks more futuristic. And uh, the hospital gown is on the ground. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of, of things are going on in this in this vision or this opening scene. Um, so what, you know, how did that, what did you think of this opening scene in general besides their little pillow talk session? Um, like I said, you know, it, it it felt a little jarring because I hadn't looked at them romantically up to this point. I I low key thought he was her missing brother this mm. whole time. So, you know, I, I had to take out of my mind, okay, that's not her brother, that's that's her man. Um, outside of that, yeah, I thought it was a nice um I thought it was pretty cool to see what's going on in Daniel's dreamscape. You know, I feel like uh, you know, each episode you and I were looking forward to who whose dream we were gonna wake up in first, right? or whose mm-hmm. vision we were going to wake up in first. So it was a nice surprise to see we woke up with him. Yeah. I was just surprised that his each of the, each of the dream worlds has been very different though. Mm-hmm. You know, like different countries, different um scenes, but the fact that Daniel's dream world is like a bedroom almost inside of Mara's dream. <laughs> yeah. It makes me th- wonder about Daniel's identity and if he's um yeah if he's well we can talk about that a little bit later but just Mm -hmm. why does his vision look so much so similar to Mara's um yeah because they're connected they're intertwined they're connected but her and Ike are connected too and you know I don't know so she wasn't um, married to Ike. No, she was not <laughs> married to Ike. Uh, okay, so then Daniel is told to wake up by Mara's voice, and he's in the room with the with the chair, the room mm-hmm. where Mara sees herself being tranquilized or put under with this syringe. And he is banging on the door and asking Mara, to please let him out. And he's telling her that the shutdown has started and that we don't have time and everyone will die again. And he needs his device. So, yes. Mara is not convinced, though, by by this, this begging or any of his pleas. She's still, she's very mm-hmm. much in still in the zone that you're dangerous, need to be locked up, and... What did you do with my boyfriend, Ike? Right, right, right. Okay, so then we have the credits, the opening credits. And after the credits, we have, we pull up, see the ship in the distance, we come closer, it's storming. And Mara is climbing up the ladder into, out of her vision and in back into the ship. And she's in her bedroom and she looks at her book, The Awakening by Kate Chopin. Mm-hmm. Now, we had talked about The Awakening back in episode one, just briefly. 
Um, but just as a brief reminder of the plot of that book, it's about a woman named Edna who's a married socialite and she starts an affair with this man named Robert. Mm-hmm. Robert realizes they it's a relationship will never work between them. So he flees to Mexico and Edna is longing for him and the freedom and freedom. And both of them, she begins to isolate herself from society and withdraws from her duties. Her husband mm-hmm. fears for her mental faculties. This is the part I, I didn't mention before, but her husband worries that she's going insane um, but the doctor or whoever, yeah, the family doctor says, don't worry, just ignore it. She'll be fine. And she begins a different affair with another gentleman. Mm-hmm. And she ends up deciding ultimately to drown herself in the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, that's Very, the end? Yeah, that, that's how the story ends. Oh, wow. I do remember us talking about the book. I didn't know it ended that grim. Yeah. And um, the book is called The Awakening. So there's a theme out throughout the show, Wake Up. And for this character in this book, which is obviously supposed to represent Mara in some way or represent something she's thinking about, for this woman, waking up is drowning. That's how she wakes up. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a great um contrast to uh tomorrow's story and, and what she's going through. I think it's a nice uh a, a nice hat tip to a story like that in this uh in this in this show. Yeah, I was and I was thinking about if Daniel's her husband and the husband in this book is worried about his wife he knows about all these affairs and just thinks, ah, oh, she's going crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And it also makes me think about her father and how her father built a hospital for her mother who was losing her memories. Um, so yeah, there's, there's several connections we could make from this book. It definitely does not want me, does not persuade me to necessarily that I need to read this book. I guess I could read it sometime when I'm in a mood for something really tragic. But, um, mm. but yeah, it's definitely a, a totem of some kind in this book because several times, like Sebastian comes out, looks at the book. Mar comes out again, looks at the book. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe the awakening would have come up again in the episode, uh, in the show, if we had more seasons. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we then go to the bridge and we have a scene of chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, We have Tobe, Tobe, Ivan, Anker, Ramiro, Virginia, and Ramiro. Yeah, they're all sort of arguing in their own language about what they should do next. And nobody's, the steering wheel is just kind of spinning around um i um yeah i had i had an opening to a joke i wrote down i wouldn't know what the punchline is but i was like what do you get when you have a religious fanatic a pregnant woman 
and a frost priest all in one room. <laughs> I I don't know what the punchline would be, but I guess it would be whatever happens in this episode. Because I'm like, this is this is a great beginning to a joke. <laughs> well, what what gets me about this scene is that they're all sort of saying the same thing but since they can't understand each other they're all saying let's go get the captain or let's go find someone to help us um but right yeah there's this there's chaos and then there's virginia who's who just keeps saying Mm -hmm. we need to find the captain so she agrees with that but we also need to find miss franklin and um which which is strange because Mara's a doctor of the brain. So for but for some reason Virginia seemed to think Mara can help her with her right, right. With her weird um with her with her black crystal disease or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. Whatever that thing is. Yeah. I was gonna say, uh it's funny how at some point Tove is like saying Let's just stop talking and, and do something. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 let's stop talking and just do. And then that's when everybody just kind of splits up. And um, yeah, I, I, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, the scene, the scene is, is pretty funny in general. Even though it's like, oh, it's kind of scary too. There's a storm and everything's rolling around. Ivan, of course, says this is God's revenge. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. yeah. Oh, and what was it? Ramiro? Is it Ramiro? He's who says the brute will know what to do. (laughs) They're talking about Franz, and they're just like they don't know his name, so they just say that brute will know what to do. And everybody goes except for Virginia. And she seems to be rooting around in the drawer looking for something. Don't worry about me. I'm fine, dear. <laughs> I'm completely fine, is what she tells. Um, uh, uh, what, what, what's the French lady's name? Clemens. Clemens. What she tells Clemens. Mm-hmm. At the and she's hiding her hand behind her back and trying to right trying to keep herself from falling using only one hand. Yeah. <laughs> Virginia's not looking looking good right now. It's not looking good for her. So yeah, absolutely. So um, Daniel then starts this crazy exploration. Um, mm-hmm. He's locked in the he's locked in this room, but he says, "What if?" and begins mm-hmm. an exploration through everybody's dream worlds, which which was crazy. You know, he um opens yeah. the panel on the ship's hull using a crowbar and he enters this tunnel of wires. <laughs> when that scene happened, I thought of this uh joke that used to be on the internet saying the internet is full of wires. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never I heard this know. joke before. Yeah, like like the internet's full of wires, and um, I don't know. It used to be like a joke on the internet back in the day. Um, one of my thoughts when I saw this, the power is not, you know, the power was off when this all started, and he starts crawling through these wires, and I was just like, 
if he starts crawling around in there, is he gonna get electrocuted? You know, <laughs> is he gonna right. get hurt or something? Um, but that that didn't come to pass. But he enters this tunnel of wires. Sebastian is on a hunt for the boy, and um he and Mara run into each other and both of them are trying to keep their secrets while finding out what the other person knows um again where he's like uh i thought you know the captain was back on the ship back on the ship was he gone <laughs> um mm-hmm. but they're just and he's like did you find the boy and they just kind of part ways uh, here's where Mara finds Virginia in the bridge and yeah this was I don't know this was kind of sad she wanted she was hoping Mara could tell her what it is and uh, she says I think I'm gonna die Mara, Mara says you're not just think of it as a bad dream I mean wh- what do you what do you mean think of it as a bad dream Mara <laughs> you know this this there's several instances in this episode where this this kind of language happens mm-hmm. and Mara supposedly doesn't remember anything but yet these things come out of her mouth um but she ends up just leaving virginia there by herself again and virginia's like please don't leave me mm-hmm. and it was kind of sad did you uh did you feel for Virginia? Yeah, I feel like such an interesting character that I felt would have been more compelling uh towards the end where we are now. I I was kind of a little disappointed. I think I wanted the show to do more with Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have one more episode, but um, you know, we want uh, we of course want to know what's inside her letter. You know, later on she fa- she finds right, her right, what's yeah. lost will be found, but we don't see what's in the letter. Yeah, and we don't um, as part of his exploration. You know, Daniel ends up going into these different portals, which, uh, pro you know, I'm thinking they correspond with people that we haven't seen. Like he he comes to one, and it's. Oh, uh, we hear church bells and there's a rosary on the ground and a well. And I figured that was Romero and Angel's world. Did you get that sense as well? Um, no, not exactly. I mean, well, church bells. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I didn't really like, like, pay much attention to that world when we got there i was like um Mm -hmm. i think the one world that kind of gripped me was the world that uh more ended up in uh that was ike's than than um the other worlds right um so yeah more ends up going into ike's dream but i was thinking about daniel as he's traveling he's traveling through these different right right yeah no on on his way and at first I was like, well, well where is he? Because he comes out. They don't mm-hmm. really, they you don't get to see much, but he comes out in this world. And I was thinking how Ramiro has stolen the clothes of a priest, right? So mm-hmm. he's wearing a yeah. priest's clothes. 
So it kind of, you know, perhaps in this world, this is where Ramiro killed the priest um, because the rosary's on the ground and mm -hmm. there's a well somehow and there's a church. So they're near a church. Then later, Daniel uses that well to go into another vision, uh, another place. And then he goes in, oh, comes out and it's snowy. And there's mm -hmm. um, blood, like blood on the ground leading to this hut. And on the ground there, we see the picture that Olek has been carrying around. Mm -hmm. So I figured that was Poland. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is none of these memories we have explored, which those were just stop offs. We didn't see much, but I'm kind of like, oh, I want to know what happened there now. I know yeah, I know there. what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, like... yeah, but we don't. As far as I know, we haven't entered any scenes that are about Virginia. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Will we get to see what happened? You know, what Virginia's up against? Because her character is still very much a mystery. For sure. Um, so Sebastian, he gets to this sick bay in the, in the ship and he's using this handheld device to try to figure out where the boy is, but he's not able to do that at first. I thought that was a pretty cool device. Yeah, it looked like, like a, what, it looked like a Game Boy? <laughs> it looked like a Game Boy, but it also, um, the reason I say it's cool is because, you know, up until this point, we just been dealing with this one thing, with this Connect Four thing that transports mm. people to other dimensions and stuff. I'm like, I don't know how to decipher something like this. This whole time we've been seeing things put in code with up, uh, upside triangles, downside triangles. Now I got something that was like, oh, that actually looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, he, it, yeah. He can use it to to locate people. It's been there all the time, but you're you're kind of wondering, well, why did why hasn't anybody used this up in, up until then? It's the it's the one thing in here that looks like advanced technology uh, mm -hmm. within that world. It kind of reminded me of that machine that you know in the Dark Knight Batman would use going through using each person's cell phone to try to figure out where the Joker was. It kind of reminded me of that technology. If you if you remember that film, <laughs> um, yeah, but you're right because some of the technology has been more steampunky so far. You know, with mm -hmm. the 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 hand the little you know you call it connect four <laughs> that's kind of funny but the but the red yeah. button and the triangles and the buttons and stuff um <clears throat> so uh, Mara then goes into Mike Ike's memory and finds you know it runs into his his wife so this was the part you were talking about. More ends up in his um in his uh in his dreamscape and Ike's dreamscape and you know his wife comes in and says hi may I help you and you know more uh is I I think she um tries to like ask you know where's Ike or like you know she uh she doesn't really know how to react and the lady kind of malfunctions like a robot kind of repeating mm -hmm. the same dialogue over and over again gripping Mora's arm I thought it was interesting in that it shows that dreamscapes can malfunction. And it kind of uh, 
showed it from like a robot perspective. It kind of reminded me of Westworld a little bit too. I thought it was a nice creepy scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the before the wife comes downstairs, Mara sees the picture of Ike and his family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she probably has thoughts about that when she sees it because she's got the, that low key or high key crush on Ike. She's like, oh, yeah, right. he has a family. Um, and then, yeah, it, the wife starts to malfunction. And she was saying not just, are you lost? May I help you? But she says, are you well? Which it struck me that, um, you know, knowing that Mara's dream world is like a hospital and there's this, you know, theme of wellness and and being Mm -hmm. a brain. So it's like, was this, the wife is acting almost like a nurse bot specifically? Like, do I need (laughs) to take your temperature? Are you well? Um, But yeah, so Mara gets this feeling that she's in the wrong, she's in the wrong place, I guess Mm -hmm. is the overall feeling. But yeah, it was, it was super creepy and you wondered what the lady was going to do to Mara there for a little bit. Um, when Daniel's doing all this going, he's trying to find a shortcut basically to get, to get out of being locked in. We do see several mm-hmm. times that it'll pull back from the screens and we have Henry's watching everything just, relishing every single second of seeing these people try to get out of his maze which is creepy and uh you know he goes he sees he's been watching daniel which we already talked about those scenes but he then is watching the group move, making their way down to the coal room i love the shot composition of that too because uh when we when we see virginia on one screen and we uh we we transition to another screen of you know um the 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 passengers going towards the coal room. It's like mm-hmm. we're we're zooming into the grainy screen, and then the, the shot composition tunes into where um it, it it morphs into where they are. Like you know the the, the cinematography changes. I just like the I like the transition of it. Mm-hmm. And it's all sort of meta because he's watching yeah. it and we're watching it at the same time. Yeah, that too. But this is one of the titanic scenes here where the people come to this hallway mm-hmm. and Ramiro starts handing out the life jackets and Anker is like, you know, this is useless because in this water, we will not drown. We will freeze. Mm, yeah. Um, and Tove says, we need to continue and everybody keeps going except for Ivan, who decides this is where she's going to lay down her anchor right here in this hallway. Um, pun intended. What? What did you say? I said pun intended. Yeah, well. <laughs> lay, down, lay down her anchor, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um. Yeah, and... Yeah, she's like, he's not a priest, and she's clearly a whore, referring to Clements, which I guess because she was wearing pants, all of a sudden she's a whore. Right. Um, That's just, yeah, yeah. E- 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 been, I've been logical. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is 
God's choice. Tove tries to talk sense into her mother and says, she well, she thinks her mother is saying, I'll wait here and God will save me. But um, Ivan's actually like, God's ready to drown us and who am I to stop it from happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and Tove says, God will not protect us. We have not been chosen to follow him. And this, referring to her belly, is not god's miracle child um you're crazy <laughs> she tells her mm-hmm. mom like you're insane very much yeah and she just she thinks um dad and i are just gonna leave you here is kind of what tobey thinks is gonna happen but Anger just says you should go on and he's going to stay with his wife which I did not like um, because we, I don't know, in the last episode, we got to see Anker got some some comfort and counseling from Ramiro. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Maybe not, maybe not um, actual counseling since they couldn't understand what each other said, but it, it felt like Anker had a breakthrough moment in getting to be comforted by somebody who see who saw that he was in agony, who saw that he was in pain. And it felt like a moment of hope for Anker. But his love for his wife is is just surpassing of, of any concern he has for himself. So he's decided that if she's going to stay there, he's going to stay there with her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a sad scene because, you know, you could say this is one of those things where as an audience member, you go, I'm getting my ass out of there. All right, (laughs) listen, hey, you want to stay here and have false visions? That's on you. But until you're in love, you know, love complicates things. And I know people go, oh, well, that's the uh, that's the cop out thing to say. But no, I mean, this man loves her. You know, he um he he's followed her this long. It made sense that he he decides to stay. Uh it was a sad scene and it's not a scene that I I liked either, but I understood it. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to Titanic, we um, you know, and I don't know how mm-hmm. sharp your memory is about that movie, but a lot of the third class passengers in that movie don't even try you know they're locked there's a gate and they're locked they don't even try to get up there but you see a mother who's just tucked her children in bed and she's reading them a story as they're all gonna drown and there's an old man like holding his wife on a bed and um you know it very much reminded me of those scenes there were you know there were people that were on the deck of the titanic and clawing to get onto a lifeboat and there were others that just kind of gave up and just said I'm just going to stay in bed and let what mm-hmm. happens happens. Why fight it anymore? Why keep going? Mm-hmm. But for Ivan in particular, her whole mindset is that God is our judge. And what did she say to Virginia last episode? Something like, you know, you don't make your own destiny. God's decided chosen everything for you right right and in her eyes she's just thinking 
God has chosen that we will die. And so if that's God's choice, who am I to fight or try to get out of that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a scene that, you know, like I said, you know, I, I didn't like it, but I understood it. It made sense for the characters to make the decisions that they made, you know, mm-hmm. and you just got to be like, man, poor Tove, you know what I mean? Stuck with, you know, uh, a father that, a father that, that knows that his wife is, you know, off the rails, but he just, he can't leave her. Yeah. Wait, I know you were going to say that. I'm sorry. What you said wasn't funny, but I was thinking you were saying, poor Tove, all she's got left is Franz. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> all she got left is a brood. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so the rest of the group has made it to their destination. Clemens, Tove, and Ramiro get to the coal room. Clemens goes to hug Lucian. Jerome mm-hmm. is looking on. <laughs> right. Good, good old Jerome. I mean, he's just like, all right, okay, you hugged him. I understand. He's being a gentleman about it. Yeah. And Ramiro and Angel embrace. And then Tobey just tells Franz, there's no one steering the ship. So please help us. And the captain is nowhere to be found. And this is when, yeah, some decisions get made here that maybe spelled spelled the ship's doom. Um, you know, if anybody would to steer the ship, it probably should have been Franz and have Oleg close close the uh, bulkhead doors because Oleg is a ship worker, you mm-hmm. know. And Franz is, he's not the first mate because the first mate is Sebastian, but he was, he's pretty up there. So he should know how to steer the ship. But for some reason, he sends Oleg up to steer the ship. And yeah, and then he is going to go close the bulk. He being Franz is going to close those bulkhead doors. And Ling Yi decides she'll stay with Oleg. So, yeah, it felt like bad management right then. I wasn't bad with that. I, I, I mean, I didn't really feel that much about the assignment. I was like, all right, you know, it it it, it, it was like, um, I I like I like Ling's connection to Oleg. I like how she's kind of like very clingy to him. Like, look, wherever you go, I go. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like that spe- that spoke a lot to their uh their uh their characters and their chemistry. But you know, this this is a chaotic situation. I mean, did you really expect this to go well? <laughs> I don't know if it I expected it to go well, but I guess I thought that Franz would be the one going up to steer the ship. I mean, if if the <laughs> if the plot dictates that that is not gonna happen and it's going to be a disaster. Then yes, well, I mean, let's let's have let's assign Ling to go up and steer the ship, but um, it doesn't make sense to. I guess Franz is it, thinking he's the only one strong enough to close the doors. I don't know. It just was curious to me that he sent Oleg up there to do a job that he had probably been trained to do. That's how I looked at it. Because if we had it reversed and Franz went up there and Oleg went to close the doors, a it wouldn't have ended well. I mean, obviously, Franz is the bigger dude, 
and uh stereotypically he's the brute mm -hmm. so he's like uh no me go do strong things <laughs> <laughs> me me no go still steer the ship you know like i'll be i'm being yeah. funny but yeah So Mora then decides, huh, everybody has a memory world. I wonder what's in Daniel's memory world. Mm -hmm. So she decides to go check out his room, finds her picture on the floor on top of the panel, and goes down into their bedroom. And she sees flashes and memories of them together and finds all the pictures that are on the side tables now mm -hmm. i was okay with this scene but um when i first saw it i was like oh they're going she's going down to the bedroom she's gonna find the pictures that's nice but when you looked at when i looked at it um after watching it a couple times i realized that there are an awful lot of pictures on that table <laughs> <laughs> like who leaves that many pictures on a table it the what I'm getting at is it felt almost like that they were props. Like I'm leaving these here so that Mora can see them. <laughs> she ain't ever, she, she can't overlook this. <laughs> like funny. it's not just, it's not just a, like Ike has a photo of his family on a desk. Daniel's got a collage board. I mean, yeah. Right. Uh, but these pictures, there's a ton of pictures. Uh, you know, I didn't look closely enough, but mm -hmm. I'm, now I'm wondering if they were, <laughs> were they all the same picture, actually, <laughs> instead of um, different pictures? But it's her, uh, Daniel, and the boy, who is their son, which we kind of knew that already, but um, he's able to tell Mara that her son's name is Elliot. Um, see, mm -hmm. go ahead. I didn't, I didn't catch on to that. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I was slow to to realize that. But until that scene came up, I it, it really struck me like, wait a minute, wait, that's her son. I didn't catch on to that part. I was still kind of wondering who the boy was. Mm -hmm. But in the last, in the last episode, didn't we find out that um, Daniel was Elliot's father? We found out D Daniel was her husband. I don't remember him right. mentioning that he was the kid's father. They had they had some dialogue together, him and the boy. I don't know if that was last episode, episode before, but they didn't have like Papa, you know, like like son type of like like call outs like they did in this one. Okay, you're right. I don't maybe you didn't call him dad until this episode, but you did see that because that's when Daniel was telling the boy, you need to stay here for a while so I can well, yeah, take care yeah. of this. So you could tell that there was he was taking responsibility for the, for the boy. Um, you knew that, but maybe you didn't know it was um, his father. Yeah, I just didn't catch on to it at that point. Mm -hmm. So when I saw this, I was like, what? The kid, he's he's her kid? You know, um, yeah, that was a jaw dropping moment to me. Mm hmm. Now, before he, while well, she's doing this, I accidentally skipped this part. Um, he, Daniel, before he goes to talk to Mara, he actually goes to find the boy. Mm -hmm. The boy is 
has a bedroom underneath the grave in Mara's world. So when the um when the boy was told to hide, you know, Mara and Ike were at the hospital looking for him, and we were all kind of wondering where is the boy? You know, is right, he okay? Right, right. And he's hiding in this bedroom, which is underneath the grave with the cross. Yeah, that's a great shrewd place to hide. Uh, that was a that, that was a good place to hide. Mm-hmm. What did you think of his bedroom? Um, I didn't think too much of it. I felt like uh, you know, um, wasn't there like a drawing in there, or wasn't there like like some kind of drawing on the wall or something like that? No, I didn't look what was on the wall, but it, the toys, you know, he had a, a blocks, colorful blocks right, right. and a colorful rug and some figurines. I don't yeah, know. I didn't. <laughs> um, They looked more like collectibles than actual toys, which I thought was a little off putting. But, you know, I figure like, you know, kids stuck in a room by himself waiting for his parents to save the world. You know, what am I going to do occupying myself with some toys? Yeah, it didn't look like a very fun bedroom, I guess. Right. But you remember in the in the show Dark, they had that weird bedroom with the chair in it that they would strap the kids to. But it had like the colorful wallpaper. It very much reminded me of that room, like not the kind of room you'd actually want to hang out in. (laughs) That room looked more fun than that bedroom. That yeah. bedroom looked actually dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, it was weird. And it, you could see the boy was just sitting there on the bed. You know, he's not playing with any of these toys. <laughs> so, Right. And this is, yeah, this is where he calls him, Elliot calls him dad. It's going to take me a little mm. bit to adjust to calling him Elliot. Um, but he says, where have you been? And they hug and it gets really emotional. And I couldn't help thinking about in the earlier episodes when we would see the boy and Daniel, Elliot, sorry, and Daniel together. Mm-hmm. And they weren't this way at all. I mean, I know they were probably trying to throw us off about who these two were to each other, but you got the feeling almost right. like Elliot was scared of Daniel and he acted really cold and like, very disappointed in him so as as each episode has come they've gotten more and more i don't know tender to towards each other mm-hmm. it was weird yeah. to to adjust to that yeah i mean you could say it's just for the show to take like like you said for the show to like uh put you purposely put you off course but uh again another jarring moment where you know I was like, you know, Daniel and Mara, uh, they don't act like husband and wife. You know, Daniel and Elliot, they don't act like father and son. Mm. But, you know, I, I can see how that's kind of the show throwing this mustache like, ah, you didn't see this coming. You know, like, oh, yeah. okay. Or perhaps it just represents how, I don't know, dysfunctional a family can be when they're this smart. <laughs> I don't know. When when you're trying to save the world, yeah. And Elliot has a very strange grandfather as well. So, um, yeah. He was almost treating him 
before Elliot was being treated more like an employee than a son. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so they, Daniel or the boy, one of them mentions it's happening again. And have you found the code or mom? She still doesn't remember. We will get her out so she can end this loop once and for all. And you have to find the code. She has to remember where it is. And the boy is is crying. So he's getting emotional at this point and um, feeling a sense of, starting to feel a sense of hopelessness and realize it's not going to work out the way that he wanted. But Daniel is trying mm-hmm. to make him feel better about that. And Elliot gives him the ring, uh, which I guess this is their wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this visually made me it, it kind of made me laugh because, you know, Daniel looks so <laughs> much like <laughs> Frodo Baggins. It it made me laugh. Like I like not not because of Lord of the Rings. That's funny. Yeah, just because it made me go. Uh, don't forget, don't forget to give mommy that ring that you mm. always told me you got her. Like, son, remember I got your mother this ring. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like uh, give mommy the ring. Yeah, yeah give I don't know. Ring. Yeah. Like kinda, I don't know. I kind of got I kind of had a twin peaks vision where uh, you know, uh, when, they do, when they had the ring. I you're thinking know. about Twin Peaks, I'm thinking about Lord of the Rings. Right, right. But that actor looks so much like um I can't remember his Elijah name. Wood. Yeah, he looks so much like Elijah Wood. In his I, name. I could see it, a young Elijah Wood. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. <clears throat> ah, so that now Daniel is is on the path. He's got his mission, and he's going to leave Elliot back in his strange little <laughs> toy. Basement. Back in this hole. Yeah. Sebastian is still looking and he finds he's found him and he sends a message with the triangles mm-hmm. and looks really happy that his mission has been accomplished. Um, Oleg and Lingy are on the bridge now and steering the ship, trying to do the best they can with their limited training <laughs> they got from France. Who reads a book, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And, uh, yeah, nobody's looked at these books except for Ramiro and and Ocker. Um Daniel climbs up and uh so this is where Daniel then yeah, he he's now going into his room from Mora's room and finds the panel open and this is where he finds Mora and he tells her about the son that his name is Elliot and Mara says that's impossible I can't have children the doctor said I couldn't have children and then mm-hmm. we find out what we already kind of suspected that she's not remembering everything correctly that is a false memory that um has been implanted and Daniel tells her you wanted to forget and that you wanted to get rid of the pain. Now, one of the things that's not clarified is 
what is it she wanted to forget? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was like, okay, did she want to forget something about the son? Um, yeah, is Elliot really her son or is he a avatar for her son or a genetic clone <laughs> of her son? They built mm-hmm. inside. Yeah, so she wanted to forget some sort of pain and so she told she told herself rather than remember that she had a child she chose to believe a a memory or a thought that said that she can't have children mm-hmm. yeah and then there's this talk of Plato's cave the Plato's cave allegory I'm sure you've probably heard that talked about in the past I have and when it came up you know I thought it was um I thought it was so interesting especially when speaking to Mora like uh listen you're on the ship looking at shadows and everything while the real game is happening behind you and the ship is just a distraction Plato's cave theory um it's interesting because um a hip hop album I really like called The Allegory by uh Royce the Five Nine. He's a he's a Detroit rapper. Um, you know, that that album, which is full of allegories, references the pay the Plato Cave theory heavy throughout its album. So when it first came up, that definitely made my eyebrows raise. Like, oh, I know that theory. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when did you first remember learning about Plato's Cave? Was it in high school or college somewhere uh that album the album okay (laughs) yeah the album introduced me to it and then i did more digging on it okay yeah i heard about it in a song too um a musical but it's it's interesting that um you know i heard about it in a christian context and people would be like oh the um you know, when you're in the darkness of the cave, the darkness being sin, mm-hmm. you're that the light outside, the light being Jesus is too bright for you to see. And so you have to like take these painful steps to get there. And then later I would hear about Plato's cave in just simulation theory in general and the matrix mm. and um what is reality you know we're, you're looking at what you think is reality but the real reality is is this other this other thing and who's causing the shadows on the wall that you're looking at um so he's trying to talk to daniel's trying to talk to her about this theory without being able to explain what he's really saying so he's he's trying to yeah tell her about something because he he's withholding some information from her um you know he says if you would look over your shoulder you would see who is causing those shadows and you forgot what's real and you have to remember to wake up you know he can't do it for her she has to do that herself she has to see who's causing the shadows herself he can't tell her the answer um yeah 
but he's trying to tell her this isn't real and that uh he ends up saying it's a simulation he just tells her flat out um mm-hmm. which i th- i think you had already mentioned that as a as a possibility um several times as we recap that this is yeah i mean a simulation I, I more so referred to it as a uh, as an experiment, but you know we uh we were close. I think mm-hmm. you had um, I think you said you mentioned something like that too. Like I mean, we overall we were kind of close. Yeah, I was thinking more a video game, but I guess in a way, yeah. a simulation is just a video game, right? But I mean, um, an experiment in. An experiment in video game format is uh <laughs> is a simulation, so we yeah. both had it on the money. Uh, but he mentions that there will be, if you don't remember, there will be nothing to wake up for, and your consciousness will be trapped in here forever. Yeah. And the they have a they have a kissing scene. <laughs> There's kissing here. Mm-hmm. And um. I mean, it was okay. I, I, I think their chemistry is all right, but there's still the fact that she doesn't trust him. And she's trying to, she feels like she should believe him now. You can tell like before she was like, I don't trust you. But now she feels like, oh, I should trust him because it turns out he's my husband and and we share a child together. So it's kicking into her her motherly instincts probably. At this point. Anything you want to say about any of that before we move on? I know it was it's kind of a big scene right here where Daniel and her have this conversation. Yeah, it was just overall just a jaw-dropping moment to me. I was just stuck on the fact that uh Elliot, I'm like, the kid has a name now, you know, that mm-hmm. uh Elliot was uh was her son. Like it, it was uh it it just it it was um it was a jaw-dropping moment for me for sure. Yeah, it yeah. Going back to that with with Elliot and especially the way that you were responding to him throughout this series, the annoyance of him not speaking, and I do it does make me wonder now, what was the deal with him not speaking? Like, why was he? Did he feel compelled to do that, or who told him you can't speak until this moment? I mean. I mean that compared with some other with another thing I got a question about that hopefully will be answered in the next episode. But I feel like I feel like maybe Daniel told him like you can't you can't let your mother know like you know like that that you're you like you gotta like mum's the word like you gotta be quiet around your mother. She can't have any idea of as to who you really are. So I feel like that's probably why he chose to do it like that. Um, I wanted to say something about a, a, a line of dialogue that uh, Daniel says to her. Mm-hmm. Something about um, every simulation lasts eight days. Right. And I thought about that. This whole season is eight episodes. So I'm like, has it has it been a day each episode? Hmm. It can't have been, right? We had to skip a few days. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't. I never have the sense that each of these episodes is one day. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, we do when we see Mara the first time for the first time. Um, you know, at that point, we don't know how many days she's been on the ship. She just wakes up, 
and she's on the ship you know so Mm -hmm. there could have been time before that um because she mentions also that her um the the that the prometheus had been um like on the water for four days or something before she um like her brother was she was supposed to meet her brother and it was four days ago and then she got on to the kerberos and yeah i don't know i mean i'm just saying we we don't know how many days they were mm-hmm. on the ship before um before we tuned into the show yeah mm-hmm. and it's happened dozens of times yeah that that part is is coming up when they have that conversation um but the storm the storm continues um the ship is going in and out of the waves and virginia makes her way into the bedroom this is when she opens her box and finds the letter we don't see what's in the letter and the the um man comes you know we now see henry he's in his evil overlord (laughs) bedroom his like bond layer i think of it that is his like super villain bond layer where he has (laughs) <laughs> this weird yellow telephone on his desk and there's all the mm-hmm. reel to reels recording every single thing for whatever reason um and that you know the man i don't know what the man's name is but he he's like the messenger boy he lays down another of these telegrams and lets him know mm-hmm. that sebastian has found the boy and he knows where he's hiding Um, then Sebastian goes right to Moore's bedroom and he goes down into the panel to get get the boy. Daniel then tells Mora that she needs to remember a code and that they're shutting down the simulation and there's a code and she needs to remember it and that she hit it and made herself forget mm-hmm. and that it can be anything a switch a door or a key and she pulls out her locket and wouldn't you know it she's got a key inside <laughs> the locket right which we never have seen her open open it she just holds it um but she you find out that the key was mailed to her in her envelope. So did she know the key was in there? I guess she did. If she remembers it was in an envelope. Yeah. Mm. And tells her, you'll wake up this time, I promise. Which... Don't make promises, Daniel, that you can't keep. <laughs> right, right. All right, so then Lucian starts to have a seizure as he's shoveling coal. And this is another sort of unfortunate moment that makes you kind of makes you kind of scratch your head. 
Um, so uh, Clemens is yelling that she needs the vials and Jerome says, where are they? And they're in the bedroom. So they decide to carry him to the bedroom. Which is another weird decision, right? Because I don't know. I would have think thought it'd be quicker to like go to the bedroom, one of them to run to the bedroom and get the vial and bring it back. Yeah, I, I was a little confused by that too, because I'm like, just just run and get it. Unless they were afraid that, you know, for some reason they thought it'd be quicker to carry him, which is is bizarre. But mm-hmm. they would have had to run there and run back. So, yeah, I don't know. They leave, and now it's just Ramiro and Angel um, shoveling coal, which probably isn't good. Mm-hmm. And this is where Daniel and Mora go to the sick bay, and they pull up the same darn machine that Sebastian has been dealing with. And he explains that there are shortcuts and cheat cheats inside the simulation. And um, he tells her he's going to reprogram everything. Mm-hmm. He's that good. Um, once they flush us out, the simulation will start again. And this room will go into the archive just like the other. But this time it will be different. I'll anchor us to it. So we will go through the same port. And every simulation lasts eight days, and you are caught in a loop, simulation after simulation. So what this, this, um, this reprogram he tries was, I was trying to understand exactly what he was saying, was the difference mm-hmm. that that they would go through the opening with the ship yeah i think that's what he meant i I think that's what he meant by reprogramming because otherwise they wouldn't be able to go through with the ship they would die before the ship grows through Mm -hmm. i think that's what he was referring to yeah And they're going to go get Elliot, mm-hmm. which Daniel thinks he's still in his grave bedroom. <clears throat> so then we go back to Ling and Oleg steering. And this is when Ling hears her mother calling. Right. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know quite what that was. I don't know if that was like, you know, I know I know her mom wasn't really there, but I don't know if that was the simulation manipulating her or if that was part of the reprogramming. Um I I I didn't quite understand that scene just to get her out on the on deck. Mm-hmm. What I'm getting or what I'm thinking is happening is that Henry has set up this situation so that they are forced to fail. Um, So he has to set up these barriers to success. If they had stayed at the wheel and Mm -hmm. steered the ship correctly. 
I see then, what you're saying. Then that wouldn't have happened in that way. The same, yeah, the same way that um, with the bulkhead doors, when they go down there, there's no handle on the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm not sure exactly what the big picture is. Um, but if this simulation keeps happening over and over again, then they're trying, the, the people on the ship are trying to accomplish this goal. Um, and if they wouldn't, it kind of gets it, it gets at my theory, but if they wouldn't let them, their emotions sway them. And that's what he says later is that their emotions are getting in the way of them making mm. good decisions you know, if Anker didn't stay with Iben, then Anker would have gone on with the group and they would have had either an extra hand to shovel coal or an extra person to help close the door. But as, you know, and, and Clemens and, and Jerome make a dumb mistake by trying to carry the body, but because of their emotions, they're weak and they're not able to succeed. And um, so Ling is like, even though she goes after her mom and Olet goes after Ling, you know, he's mm-hmm. dumb too. So they're just, they're letting their emotions get in the way of what a rational person would do in the middle of a tragedy. Okay, I got what you're saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I gotta say, it really hit me uh the kind of death montage that came on uh, after this scene. Mm. Well, I was not prepared for Oleg to go overboard. I will say that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because he's been like, what? He, I mean, along with Jerome, Oleg's probably like the most kind-hearted and loyal person on the ship. And mm-hmm has just been a good a all-around good guy so that was he goes overboard um but when you say the montage are you thinking about what are you thinking about like virginia and clemens and jerome and all that afterwards yeah, I, I, I'm definitely talking about that. You know, mm-hmm. the thing with Oleg is, um, you know, saving Ling, you know, and then getting swept by the wave afterwards is is very tragic. Um, but yeah, I was talking about everything that happens after that. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the one that kind of hit me the most was uh, Angel and uh, Ramiro mm-hmm. holding on to him. You know, Franz, I mean, um, Franz and Tove was pretty hard-hitting and... Uh, I've been an anchor, you know, I kind of expected that to happen. But, um, you know, Lucian, um, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound cruel. Lucian kind of already gave himself a death sentence so many times that it was kind of like, all right, we're finally <laughs> here now, you know, rest in peace. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't a good nor a bad man, but he was a man, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, Romero. I mean, Angel kind of hit me to hit me the hardest. Like that whole scene was pretty sad. It was sad, but but yet for those two, I was thinking. You know, he mentions that I I I never knew why you fell in love with me because you're such a tender and kind man, 
and you're right, right. you are better off without me. And I think we're, we were all thinking, yes, you're, you're right, Angel, you've been an absolute twat. Um, <laughs> right, right. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. That might make me cold hearted. But I was like, yes, Ramiro is way too good for you. I'm glad you recognize that on your deathbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a there's a comment that um that Henry makes um where he goes uh they always make the same choices every simulation they always hit the same downfall and make the same choices. And that's interesting to me because it shows that there's humanity there. Like they make the same choices, but they make the same choices because they're human. Can't you can't really run a simulation where you you make them inhuman. That's kind of how I took that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I did I, you know, it was interesting how much I did feel for Franz because Mm-hmm. he he sort of did the sacrificial thing right he said you go right. on and i i'm gonna shut the doors and you see him floating and it's kind of like you know you done good franz you done good right pig. right he, he, <laughs> um, he made up for the mutiny right yeah and yeah he says uh Every time they make the same mistakes and every time they die because they can't get rid of their emotions, but that's what makes them weak. It's human nature's ultimate flaw. One shouldn't base a choice on love, anger, or hate. They're mm-hmm. just silly feelings that cloud the mind. So obviously Henry doesn't want to make any decisions based on emotion at all ever right and that's why he's just examines everybody like a sign like their specimens but he's sort of eating it all up which is really Mm -hmm. gross and you know that's elliot's grandfather and he's teaching him or trying to teach him that you know this is, you know, these people are weak and I'm strong because I can get rid of my emotions and I have. So, um, when, when, uh, Daniel and Mara go back into Daniel's bedroom, they see the panel has been replaced that goes down into the dream world and it has closed it's now closed off and they can't go down there anymore i'm assuming sebastian did this when he went to get elliot and henry gets on the pa system and says you've come far this time using the prometheus to gain access was a smart move which refers to daniel how he entered the ship in the first place so i guess that's a new thing he did Something he hadn't done before. At the end of episode one. Um, oh, yeah. He gets on the Prometheus and, you know, Henry congratulates him on using the Prometheus to regain access. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, yeah. you failed again. Your little rope reprogramming <laughs> won't help. Everyone on this ship will eventually die and take part in the next simulation. Yeah, I thought that was interesting how he gave him, uh, you know, well done, but uh, you're still going to take this L. 
Uh, he asks, he tells Mora he wants the key. If she will give him the key, then he will give her back her son. And yeah, and then Daniel is off. He gives her her ring, says, I love you, never forget. And this is when Henry opens the pyramid and there's a keyhole inside. Um, and yeah, and, he, and then he says, um, the Kerberos will be moved into the archive. Your mother will bring me the key and this will finally come to an end. So I wondered if he's been after this key the whole time and he hasn't gotten it yet or is it every simulation he needs the key to start it over again yeah i had a question about that like is is getting the key how he can start over the next simulation or has he been after the key this whole time and they won't give it to him I um I don't know. I guess we'll have to figure out in the next episode. I I kind of had a lot of things running through my mind, kind of what you said, but um I don't know. Maybe the key opens up that uh huge triangle that's outside his window. Up mm. here, man. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, we still don't know what the point is of that big pyramid. So at this this point, we've halved our crew <laughs> of people, mm -hmm. and the the shutdown comes to an end. The countdown finishes, and the ship goes down into this giant rabbit hole, mm -hmm. and comes comes up out of another hole, whirlpool hole in the water. And we see Ike at the end of this episode. He is at his desk, day drinking again. <laughs> He's back at the bottle. And his picture frame is empty, which I thought was, I thought it was interesting that the picture frame is empty. I was like, okay, maybe it broke. Uh, but on the other hand, why is, yeah, why is the picture frame now empty? Um, he hears the rumbling and the ship comes out in calm waters. And you have Ike on one ship, which is, um, that one's the Prometheus. And then the Kerberos has Mara, Jerome, Clements, Virginia, Ling, Ramiro, and Tove are what's left of the crew. And Mara and Ike are just staring at each other longingly. Right. Uh, so what did you think of this of this ending? What were your thoughts as the episode closed? Um, My thoughts as the episode closed, before the ship goes through the opening, there was a beautiful shot, a cinematography. There was a beautiful uh, uh, cinematography shot where you have Ling on the deck looking up at the uh, white light. Mm -hmm. as the ship travels through it i just thought that was a beautiful 
beautiful moment. And, you know, as it's going through the waves and the waves kind of like circling around the light and it moves through into the um, kind of like the dead land of the other failed experiment ships. Um, the final shot of like Ike and Mora looking at each other, I felt like that was a nice drop off point. You know, it's a nice drop off point to see where their relationship is heading now that she realizes she has a whole son and a husband that she forgot about. Mm -hmm. yeah but there's I, that sort of hidden subtext mm -hmm. like they're worlds apart now <laughs> yeah they're sort of you know staring at each other over this over this chasm and it was you know this this shot you referred to where ling is standing there and she goes she goes to the port portal or whatever you want to call it whirlpool it's beautifully shot, mm -hmm. but it was kind of like, I don't know if I was Ling, I would be screaming. <laughs> she was just like, <laughs> you know, she was entranced. Yeah. Entranced, but it would be scary. I think to, uh, to be in that situation and not be like, okay, where's the ship going? Um, yeah. so well, looking at who's left of this bunch, you know, we've got, as I said before, we've got Mara, Jerome, Clemens, Virginia, Ling, Ramiro, and Tobe. And we have a lot of singles left, except for, you know, Jerome and Clemens, who aren't exactly a couple, but they sort of had chemistry. But it kind of makes you wonder with this group that's left, you know, what is going to be the dynamic from this point on? Because everybody's lost, everybody's lost um, the person they came with, except right. for Mara. She wasn't with anyone. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see. But um, I got a question. So, you know, up until you know, at this point, we're looking at Daniel as kind of a protagonist, right? He he's on mostly the good side of history, you know, where Mara's dad is evil, Daniel's. Uh, side is like okay we need to stop the simulation we need to reprogram we need to save my wife who holds the key to all of this i'm trying to understand why the little girl had to get killed at, at the beginning of this whole show i'm like i like what what did he do to her like you know like what like like did he the the show cut away from what happened like did he kill the little girl you know who i'm talking about right where this whole thing started right, ada yeah like like what what happened because that, that still needs to be addressed. Well, my assumption about that, I don't know of the reasons. I think I think her death is what causes the mutiny. So it sort of ha has to go down. But Daniel used that machine. Remember when he is in the coal room and he's trying to get the sirens to stop? Mm -hmm. inside that panel in the coal room and he that man comes thing number one or thing number two comes and is mm -hmm. trying to stop him and he ends up hitting him on the head with a shovel and daniel just kind of uses his little device to right. make that guy just take that guy at a commission you know so he didn't really kill him quote unquote he just pushed a button it's like almost like pushing a switch and the guy just fell and if you remember, he kind of just falls back. And, you know, when we find Ada, she is 
in that position. So my assumption is that Daniel just used his handheld device to put Ada out of commission. Mm. Because he hmm. needed well, to do tough. something. He needed to start the process of getting, you know, that her death is what propels the mutiny to start. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> you seem skeptical. It's, 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 it, I mean, it still makes me side eye him a little bit. That that's why I'm kind of well, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not completely sold on Daniel being a good guy. Like I believe he genuinely cares for Mara and wants, you know, he wants to help her. He tried. He was going to take a bullet for her and all that. But um, mm-hmm. I feel like he's definitely withholding information from her and not in the way that Ike was withholding. Ike was holding with it was withholding information because he was embarrassed and ashamed of what she might think of him as opposed to Daniel. I feel like he's withholding information for the purposes of manipulating her to do the things he needs her to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, especially, especially this episode, Daniel obviously has a lot of, a lot of power, Um, you know, in in some i don't know if he has as much power as henry but Mm -hmm. he's um he's definitely got some you know controls in this world um so there's there's that aspect but uh as far as my kind of theory i wanted to talk about it's more, it's not exactly a theory, but I was kind of thinking about how this season has gone so far and we still have one more episode left, but we've gotten a chance through this, through this season, we saw one cycle basically of, um, of the people going through maybe what would be a normal eight day cycle and how things always end up going down. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Ivan always stays probably Ling goes to talk, you know, she sees her mom and does all this. So I was thinking it's supposed, it was supposed to be three seasons. And I was speculating that as the series had gone on, then um, the characters would maybe get more insight and, at the end, perhaps we would see them go through the cycle and do everything correct and overcome the trap or whatever that Henry mm-hmm. has set or whoever has set. And I was thinking how probably emotional that would be. Yeah, because if we had gotten to see them make the same mistakes over and over again, getting to see them do it right um, would be really emotionally resonant um you know if you're thinking as a comedic example i was thinking about um you know the movie groundhog day and yeah you get to see him (laughs) making all these mistakes with the woman 
But towards the end, you see him having a really great day with her and becoming a great person. And because you've sat there with him through it, it very it's very emotionally powerful. <laughs> and I was thinking of, yeah, if they went through the process of the drowning and we got to see each of the people be like, no, you know, like, I'm not going to stay and let you kill yourself. I'm going to go on. I love you, but I'm going to go you know, and um, different characters maybe getting a chance to make the wise decision. Not that it should be devoid of emotions like Henry thinks, but mm. um, coming from a place of, of complete love, but yet knowing they have to do the right thing in that moment, which isn't always the easy thing. <laughs> Sometimes, do, you know, doing the right thing can be the hardest thing in the world, but if it comes from a place of love. But if they are not living in their weaknesses it would have been a really beautiful moment to see if we got to see them like survive this drowning together as a group and right. not end up all dying yeah 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 um I, i'm just i'm just excited to see what happens in the next one to be honest yeah i want to see where all this goes i mean obviously it was written in mind for more seasons to come but i i at least want to see what kind of conclusion we're we're going to come to here Mm-hmm. Yes, me too. So any final thoughts before we close out? I thought it was a great sad episode. I feel like this is what a a, a penultimate episode should feel like. You know what I mean? This was a uh, has some surprises in it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It was a good a lot of stuff happened. A lot of acceleration towards the end. Very sad scenes. And I was a little surprised that the storm ended so calmly. <laughs> you know, they're going through this whirlpool world mm -hmm. into upside down world and come out and everybody just kind of like, hmm. <laughs> I mean, they had to end it at some point. But yeah, it, it was just kind of strange that everybody's just seems really numb you know like emotionally they're just Mora's tearing up but everybody else mm -hmm. is just standing there like a little dazed I guess is what they're feeling <laughs> right 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 but yeah I am really curious um Henry says that the Daniel's reprogramming won't, won't work but I am curious if it did kind of work because they're still on the ship they didn't die so is that going to upset his plans you know i think it will i think it will yeah and i am really sad that ivan never got to see the boy alive i was like i was waiting for the moment when she would get to see him <laughs> and that didn't happen so yeah i don't think that would have been a good thing for her to see him alive that would have led to even more <laughs> issues that nobody wants to deal with it's satan it's satan himself right yeah yeah, maybe you're right. All right, so remind everybody where they can find you on on your channels. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Twitter and Twitter at uh at Black Cinephile, all one word, uh, without the C. Uh, double feature verses. Uh, you can find us on YouTube and uh, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, you can find my written reviews on uh, 8bitwaffles.com. And um, 
Oh, I just wrote a spoiler-free review for Apple Plus, um, one of their newest films, Sharper, on uh, Elements of Madness, um, if you want to check that out, too. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me. Great. Okay, so you're now contributing for Elements of Madness as well. Should I add that to your channel list? Uh, yeah, yeah. You could say I've, uh, I've done some guest contributions for them, you know. Excellent. Okay, and of course, you can find me uh, at oneofmystories.com or on Twitter, Letterboxd, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and one of my stories. And guys, we're coming to the end of 1899. We will do episode eight in just one week. So look for that coming up. And we'll see you guys next time on one of my stories. Good night. All right.